Welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. This podcast is a safe space designed to inspire and empower women of color to take personal responsibility in their health and mental wellness. So ladies, sit back and enjoy. This is our space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. I am so excited. I have the amazing Taryn Hill on the line. Hi, Taryn. Hi, China. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Welcome to the Soul by the Pound podcast. And I have to tell you, I told you offline, but I'm going to say it again. I have to start with your bio and really just kind of introduce you to our audience because I just love bragging on black women. Can I brag on you? (laughs) Absolutely. You can. We don't get enough of that. So please do. We don't. So let me toot your horn. So Taryn Hill is a passionate social worker and a change agent for mental health. She received her bachelor's degree in human development and family studies psychology from Bowling Green State University. Hey, <laughs> her master's degree in social work from Campbellsville University. With over seven years of experience in this field, Taryn has dedicated her career to advocating for marginalized populations. She has aided to improve access to health and social care through her job as a community engagement leader and through her efforts to destigmatize mental health as a founder of High Functioning Black Girls. High Functioning Black Girls was designed to help high-achieving and high-functioning Black women feel comfortable with a safe space to empower Black girls with taking the next step in their mental health journeys. Her advocacy efforts went viral on TikTok, and she has been awarded the National Alliance on Mental Illness by Taraji B. Henson's Boris L. Henson Foundation. She is committed to bring awareness to Black women's experiences while enlightening others with the importance of addressing Black women's needs in both a timely and culturally manner. In doing so, we can collectively improve our health outcomes and create a more equitable society. I feel you on that. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Um, Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because, so when I was looking for prospects to interview for Soul by the Pound podcast, when I heard of Mm -hmm. your organization, High Functioning Black Girls, I felt like it was so necessary to have you on the show because I definitely think that like this narrative of like what that looks like for Black women has always been foggy. So I really Mm -hmm. want to tell like what made you like create this safe space? Like what, how did you get your start in this? Absolutely. Great question. And um, so really my my start in mental health and wellness started, of course, back in college at Bowling Green in Ohio. Um, I studied human development and psychology. And so I've always just been curious about the way the mind works, um, how our bodies work and just how everything works together, you know, Um, just figuring out how our our, uh, environment and genetics just play a role. Um, and also fate, just kind of how that all works together for us to be who we are. Um, so I, I did some work after college. I went back and got my master's in social work, um, just knowing that, you know, I just knew I was called to help people in some capacity. And so honestly, um, just really through educational experience and personal experience kind of led me to this moment. Um, 
wanting to contribute to Black mental health um, and really just eliminate stigma that I've seen in my own family and my own community um, really inspired this work. Um, But on a personal level, I think that being known as the strong friend, being known as, you know, the happy friend, um, the person that people always would characterize as perfect, um, that really boxed me in to the point where I think I would just deal with things inwardly. And so, um, you know, I just remember a point like finishing up grad school. Um, it was actually when COVID was starting. So, you know, it was just a crazy time um, in our world. And I was juggling yes. so many things. <laughs> oh, girl. I'm like, everybody came out of COVID with, with probably something that they didn't ask for. Um, and, you know, there was just a lot of loss during that time. Mm-hmm. Um for everybody, uh, whether it was a person or a job, just so much. And I think, you know, being a full-time student, losing um, family members that I was extremely close to, um, and just dealing with the pressures of being first generation and and being a Black woman, all just really started to take a toll on me. You know, although I was achieving all of these things, I was just inwardly just suppressing everything. Um, And so... Mm -hmm. You know, I think I decided to go to therapy because I was like, okay, I can't keep holding this stuff in. Like, I just, I felt like I was going to, you know, just explode, just, you know, internalizing everything. And it was showing up in my health issues. And, you know, I was like, okay, let me, let me go talk to somebody. Um, But it was also important to me as a social worker and as someone who was interested in, you know, being a therapist to sit on the other side of the chair, right? I don't want mm-hmm. to be in a space where I'm helping somebody through something and I haven't experienced or, or sat in their position. So it was kind of just all working together for me to um, really just be the client in that situation. And so, girl, I go to therapy and um, my therapist at the time, you know, did these um assessments and she's like you have anxiety and depression but it's high functioning and I'm like tell me more about that Um, (laughs) and so (laughs) so you know that was really hard for me to accept because again like I'm always accomplishing things and you know just always ambitious and so to hear that really just stung me right and I'm like I can't be the one even navigating this, I'm supposed to be the one helping people. I'm supposed to, you know, just even the things people had placed and projected on me, um, I was wrestling with. And so all of that honestly led me to this moment. I mean, I could really go on and on, um, but I think working through it on my own and also showing up in the world by saying, hey, look, like, yes, I'm achieving these things, but, you know, I'm also, I'm human. And mm-hmm. I think, amongst the Black women, we really need to, to humanize um, ourselves amongst each other. And so all of that, and really, honestly, China, what really struck me was um, seeing Chesley Chris, um, the former Miss America, and I don't know if you're familiar with her story, but... Oh, yeah. Is that the one that committed she, Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so... <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, she committed or uh, she died by suicide. That is the um, proper way to say oh. that. So let me say that like that. I know I'm trying to uh, be mindful of the, of the terminology, but um, she passed away by suicide. And that really just hit home for me, just kind of not being, of course, where she was in life, but just some of the things that I had inwardly faced um, 
that really just, man, it just hit home to see such an accomplished Black woman. I mean, she was a lawyer. She was a news show anchor. Um, People always had so many positive things to say about her, but nobody knew that she was struggling except for her mother. Um, And so, you know, the weight of it all just had became too much for her. And so just hearing her story and just seeing the work that her mother is uh, doing on her behalf um, also just really inspired me because I knew I was like, okay, it can't just be her um, experiencing high functioning depression and anxiety, and it can't just be me. So there has to be other Black women out here. Um, and, And so here we are. I love that. I think one thing I love that you took your situation, right? Because I think sometimes they yeah. always say this phrase like therapists are the hardest to be therapists or like doctors are the worst mm-hmm. patients. So the fact that you're like, okay, let me talk about this and get to the other side of the chair is a lot because I don't think a lot of people are that self-reflective. And yeah. yeah. And then you doing that, you're helping an entire community. So shout out to you for doing that. Um also, one of the reasons why I really love your organization Absolutely. is because you definitely highlight what depression and high functioning anxiety looks like for Black women. Because I think we automatically, when we think depression, we think somebody like sad, moping around all day when there's different mm-hmm. to it. So how do you have these conversations? And I didn't yeah. ask you some original questions, but I definitely, like, how do you have these conversations and introduce this to people who think that this just doesn't, like, you don't look sad. Like, how do you have these conversations? Mm, that is so, so good. You know, there are so many different ways, I feel like, to have these conversations. And I think also um, cultural competency is important in these conversations. Um, Really just, and and, you know, I'm even thinking too, like um, there is something now called like a peer navigator where people who aren't even licensed can be trained to learn how to have these conversations um, in their communities. But I think it's just as simple as asking someone, you know, beginner questions like, how's your day or what's going on? And just noticing like if somebody is always saying they're fine or, you know, if they're always just quick to kind of end it, you know, try to find thought provoking questions that are open ended um, to really get your friends or whoever you're talking with to kind of unpack. One of the things that we learn, um, you know, in school when you're studying therapy is really just learning how to ask open ended questions that, you know, really, make people, it doesn't give them a choice but to respond in a full answer. So I would say really just starting light and just going off of those context clues that are, um, you know, given to you by that person can really open up a conversation. And so I think in the cases of high functioning diagnoses, um, when you see someone that's always just like, oh, everything's great, or they're always saying they're fine, or they're good, and they're blessed. I mean, they may be, but you know, a lot of times I have found, I'm not saying all the time, but people are in fact hiding things under all of that. So just really use those context clues to dig deeper is what I would say. Yeah, that's a good call out. There really is. Because I think sometimes we just take what people say for face value or mm-hmm. even like take people's moods for face value. Like, okay, they seem happy. Or even people is grumpy, like they just grumpy. And it might be something that, like a bigger situation that's going on. Absolutely. And when you think about that, 
um, especially with with black women. I mean, um, you know, the angry black woman trope and the and the stereotype around that. A lot of that anger is anxiety. It's depression. It's something else. And so those emotions are are signals that something deeper is going on. So I love that you touched on that. And there just really just needs to be more um, education around that. Even just the looking at you know, there's um, new research by the Journal on Science of Nursing, and they just really shed light on Black women's experiences with um, high-functioning depression and anxiety. And, you know, for us, you know, we might be going to the doctor, letting them know, like, hey, we have, a, you know, I have a stomach ache. Um, I'm not able to figure out what's going on. And so even realizing that sometimes our medical professionals still need more training around what these symptoms look like for us. Um, so, you know, they may give us some medication, you know, for a, a stomach ache, but it's really anxiety and depression. So there's just so much more light that needs to be shed on our experiences in particular um, and, and more training that needs to be had with our um, care professionals to, to look out for the signs. Taryn, you are speaking a word. I'm like sitting here nodding because <laughs> that is so true. Like we actually, it mm-hmm. was last year we interviewed a, um, I said we will meet, <laughs> interviewed a, a psychologist and she was mentioning that and she's a woman of color. And she said whenever someone comes to her, the first thing she asks is like, what's going on with your diet? What's going on with your health? Because I think mm-hmm. that they, the, well, I don't think, I know they interact with each other, but I think there yeah. is a misconception with a lot of medical professionals where they're like, okay, well, that's just this, this, and this. I'm going to give you a pill. When it's, no, this is something you know, like it could be an emotional problem or it could be, you know, a mental problem, but automatically there is, because of that cultural barrier, you're absolutely right. That's something that could be completely missed or they even miss our jargon or words that we use to express that we are feeling uncomfortable. Yes. So yeah, that is so true. You mentioned this about some, like in regards to black women, and that's definitely who your target audience is. How, like, what is one thing that you wish that Black women knew earlier in regards to, like, mental health as well as high functioning? Because you found out during your journey, um, you know, yeah. and after you were teaching, but what is one thing that you wish that, like, Black women knew sooner? That's, that's good. I mean, there's so many things, but, you know, something that people may hear that they think is cliche but I think that um, and wish that Black women knew sooner is that there is strength in asking for help, right? Um, strength is a multifaceted word. So it's not just about the magnitude of what you can endure, but it's also about like what you can let go of and what you can make room for. And so I know that for us, it has such a um, systemic and historical and generational context of Black women's strength, but Really just, I wish that we could reimagine what that is, um, that it's not a bad word, but again, mm-hmm. it, it has multi-purpose to it, right? And so, um, you know, personally, I, when I realized even at one point in my journey um, years ago, I had to accept that I needed support beyond a therapist. I needed to get to a stable place of functioning because there was so much going mm-hmm. on. Um, that I needed to rely on medication. And so one of my um, social work mentors told me, and she was on medication, and I think that is what shined the light for me. Um, She was not um, a woman of color, but again, just seeing a helping Mm -hmm. professional say, you know, she was like, Taryn, the strength is in you asking for help. She's like, you're sitting here acting like 
you're fine. I can tell you're not. You're coming in. Like, I can tell you've been, you know, crying or going through something. She was like, it's in you asking for the help. That is where the strength is. And so I wish we would realize that earlier um, because there's strength in leaning on, you know, your therapist or medication. And it doesn't have to be um, a lifelong thing. You know, you don't have to accept and, and keep this forever, but the medication is really just there to help you get back to a stable level. And so that's a whole nother conversation. And, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't want to go too far into it, but um, just accepting that, um, again, like strength is, is just, it's diverse. It's not just in being able to endure. It's really about letting go, accepting help, allowing yourself to feel, um, and really just, just making room for for the help that you need. Um, so that would be what I wish for. That's, That's so true. I think we're all guilty. I know, like, we're all guilty of that, like, not just asking for help. Like, I am happy that collectively, mm-hmm. like, all Black women are like, okay, we're entering our soft era. We are no longer yes. carrying capes. <laughs> I'm happy we collectively mm-hmm. did, we dropped the cape. Now I need us to collectively lean on each other, like you said, and really ask for help. It's funny because I just, um, I'm from Chicago and I've been living in New York and I just moved back to Chicago and I was like kind of off center for like two months. And I went and talked Mm. to someone and she was like, are you using your voice a lot? No, she's, are you using your voice enough? And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. And she was like, no, are you using your voice enough and asking for help? And I'm like, well, I don't need help right now. She's like, you just move back home. You do need help. You do need help. Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm good. I got this. I got that. <laughs> she's like, no, you need help. And I swear, I sent like three people a text message, like whether it was going out, whether it was help to look at something, whether it was, and immediately people responded like, yeah, of course, that's this, that's this. Oh, I got you on this, you know? And it is so hard for us to know, to ask for help. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a vulnerability. I don't know if we all think everybody got something going on, but you are so right about that. Like we do need to know to, to lean on that and ask for help. Yes, and I'm I'm so glad you you brought that up um, because we do need to really just like people are out there and people do want to help. I think it is the fear of being vulnerable, but I think it's also a fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mm-hmm. knowing that a lot of times, you know, in society standards, we're at the the bottom of the, the totem pole to even receive help or um, you know be seen as. Um, valuable or, or needing assistance. Um, so I definitely 1000% agree with you that, you know, sometimes we just tell ourselves like, oh, nobody wants to do this. Nobody wants to help me with that. And so we really just need to just see what the facts are saying and just try, like you said, in your experience, you know, you reached out for help and so many people were just willing, but it's really that that vulnerability that's scary because we're used to carrying everything you know we are often the pillars of our communities uh we're often the backbones of things as black women like if we're not there holding it up or getting it done you know sometimes we don't even see somebody else that can even um in our minds do it the way that we do it and so um it's hard um but it's necessary and one thing i would add to that is that even when we do reach out, just knowing um, not to take it personal when people yeah. we do reach out yeah. and people like say no, because people are also at capacity. Like COVID is not over. You know, we're still 
navigating this whole new world. Like COVID shifted everything. And so people are still rebuilding and reimagining, you know, life and support for themselves. So just also when reaching out, like don't be afraid to do it, but just know like people are also still, you know, navigating through their circumstances. So just that's so don't take it personal, you know. Because yeah. the first person you call and they said, no, you like, see, that's why I don't ask. Yeah, see, that's why. You know how we do. Listen, you know <laughs> how we do. <laughs> Not knowing your person over there struggling, like straight Listen. struggling. <laughs> that's totally. true. And I think we really need to remember that when asking for help in general. Even when thinking about it, um, when looking for a therapist, I always recommend, like, don't just reach out to one person. Reach out to multiple therapists because they are even at capacity. So it's just like really understand that like there are resources out there and it may not be the first resource that you lean on, but you're probably going to have to reach out to multiple people and just don't take it personal. Like it don't matter what, what role you play in, you know, somebody just may not have the capacity, but there's someone who does. So you just got to have the will to advocate for yourself um, and, and, and know that it's not you. It's just, just a lot going on for everybody. A lot going on for I'm glad you touched on that too, because especially thinking about when you start therapy, because I already know like there's so much taboo about us getting into therapy. It's already like mm-hmm. an awkward feeling. I remember the first time I called it, this was probably like seven years ago, I called um, a therapist and she said she followed So by the Pound on, on social oh, media wow. and I hung up the phone. Like I was like, okay, I don't want to work with her. And then in my head, I was like, well, shouldn't I be the first person to go and get help? Like, shouldn't I be the first person that's talking to someone? But it's so much taboo. And I like that you said, like, you could try multiple people. Like, we try multiple shoes before we go out. Like, if Listen. you wear shoes, why would we not do the same with our self-care, like, with our therapy? So, okay. that's- Listen, when that thought- over order comes in and the club ain't right. What we doing? Sending it back. Sending it back. We're getting a bigger size. <laughs> We're getting a smaller size. Like we, come on. Like that is absolutely true. No, it is. You know, this man used this analogy one time in this uh, mental health workshop. He was like, you don't go to a restaurant and then tell them whatever you bring out, I'll eat it. No, you tell them this is what I want to order. You have a menu because you say what you want, what you need and you decide. So, we, I guess we got to do the right. same thing when it comes to the therapist. Oh, my gosh. This is good. Absolutely. That's good. So this, okay, I keep going off subject because I'm just so excited to talk to you. But <laughs> the next thing yeah. is, so within your organization, right, um, you really focus on really holding a space for Black women. And you created a Facebook community as well as a book club. What made you do the book club in addition to what's going on already currently? Like all of the other you know, community and all the services you provide, what made you incorporate the book club as well? Absolutely. I think that, you know, therapy only happens for some of us once a month. Some of us, it's once a week or, you know, it might be more than that, depending on where we are in our journeys and and in our crises. But I think that community is so important. And I think, you know, Again, COVID siloed a bunch of us. And just even as Black women, sometimes just by nature, we can just be siloed. And I think, again, just to really destigmatize um, mental health and taking care of yourself, I really felt that it would be necessary to just have a space to have some self-education and mm-hmm. also build community with like-minded women who 
are on these same journeys, right? And a part of a big part of high fun- being high functioning is that you think you're alone. Nobody can see what's going on. You know, you can hide it very well. And so, again, just to really destigmatize that and give Black women a space outside of therapy and another support in between those sessions. Again, it's not therapy, but just being in community with other women who are saying like, yes, I'm ready to take accountability. Um, It may not have been my fault, but I'm responsible for my healing. And I think just it provides a space for new perspective on your journey, right? Like you don't have to get down into the nitty gritty of what's going on with you, but there are just common themes around healing that we can all relate to. And so um, our, our book club is about three or four months old, but I just like, I love being able to come together with um, just other women who are like, you know what, I, I'm ready to take accountability and I want to do it with, with other people who look like me. Um, and it, it's just been amazing just really connecting with everybody. So that has, that was really um, the image behind having the book club. It's just really having a support to kind of help us get to the next session um, and really just build community around this journey uh, of taking care of our mental health. I love that. It kind of reminds me of like a Bible study. You know, like you don't have to wait yeah. for Sunday. <laughs> Listen, because you be needing something to get you through the week. I mean, it, it just, it's hard sometimes. And, yeah. you know, with books now, the amazing thing, you know, there's audiobooks. You don't have to. If you're not a person that can sit still, um, you can listen to the audiobook. But I think also, even in that, because we are high functioning, we are always going. So sitting down and being still and reading a book really challenges you to just sit with yourself and do nothing. And so... I think that is another aspect of it as well, is that sometimes for us um, as high-functioning Black women, that stillness is scary. It's uncomfortable. And I think sitting down and actually touching the, the pages of a book and sitting in silence or doing whatever you need to do to be still really challenges you to just slow down. So there's so many aspects and reasons why we have mm-hmm. that book club, but I think it's a, a really good um, coping mechanism and it, and it teaches us rest as well. I feel like my brain is really opening in this conversation because it's so true. Like high functioning, you really don't take a break. Like you don't no. sit down, you overthink everything. You feel like you always got to mm-hmm. be booked and busy. And you know what I was just, I'm like relating this to TV, but do you remember the show Girlfriends? I do remember Girlfriends. Yes. This is kind of making me feel like a Joan who was always doing something, but it covered up everything mm. that she was thinking about. I just thought about that. Yes. 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 And you know what? Like, like that's, I'm not going to think about it. I mean, diagnose that, but would you? I'm going to have to go back and like, now that you say that, I really got to just find this, the season somewhere online and just really like look at it with that lens. Cause I did not think about that, but I can absolutely see it. (laughs) I can absolutely. Cause I just, you know what I was thinking about? So a friend of mine, and I love this conversation. A friend of mine was just having a conversation and well, probably like two weeks ago and she quit her corporate job and she just like chilled out. And then she took some odd job, like some odd job that she just was like able to not think. And my mom's like, oh yeah, I saw someone do that in the news and an attorney who left and she was mm. working like a grocery store. And I thought about like Joan, who was like doing all of these things, like running in a circle, and then mm. she like worked at like uh, the Wiener Circle or something, like some kind of hot dog stand in the on the show. 
But it made me think about how much rest is underestimated and how sometimes we think that the person who's doing the most and doing all those things are completely fine when it's like they really can be struggling mentally. Absolutely. Rest is resistance for us um, as Black women. Again, just thinking back to our lineage and, and our ancestors and slavery and how they, you know, mm-hmm. always had to keep going. And if they were tired, it didn't matter. They they were out in the field picking cotton and doing everything just to survive. It really has just been passed down to us as yeah. Black women um, just to really just from day one, just know how to just go. Yeah. Um, and so in Ambition, I think, is is violent for us because that's all we know. And so rest is is foreign, but it's an act of resistance. And so when we rest, we are um, really letting society know, like, we don't support the systems that you have put in, you know, in place. And and so one of the things that um, I really hear from people sometimes is that, you know, it, it's hard for me to rest because I have kids and I have this. I hear that all the time, Taryn, all the time. Yeah. And I think what we have to really pause and realize is that life is probably never going to stop. But I think what we have to do is really learn to prioritize our responsibilities Mm -hmm. and be okay with something just not getting done. Like, that's really the point that we're going to get at. Like, it's never just going to be perfect where you can just rest and everything's just, you know, you have no responsibilities, but it really is an act of resistance. And we have to really get ourselves, like, force ourselves to this point to just pause and be. And again, it's going to be uncomfortable and something's not going to get done, but we have to prioritize, you know, um, you know, maybe, you know, you were supposed to go out with your girlfriends and go to this event for work and a happy hour. And sometimes you just can't. So I think you just got to be okay mm-hmm. with something just not being done. That That's really like, we have to rest. It, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. It's foreign to us. But we have to unlearn this this fast paced life because it's it's killing us. Um, and and so yeah, I just think we just gotta be okay with stuff just not being being done. Absolutely, and, and so. or being or being done by us. I feel like it's a million apps right now. You got to do your laundry, do your grocery shopping, do all those things. And the cost, what I think too, is becoming more affordable for. I mean, I can't say for everybody, but we could say like it's now easier to find support and help than it was absolutely before you know like yes listen because getting those groceries delivered will change your life hello um, <laughs> having somebody come clean the house like you gotta do what you gotta do personally um, i know grocery shopping right. there like, are so many different resources yes, out yes. here that are accessible yes <laughs> you are so right Well, let me ask you this. Okay. So wait, I asked you about what Black women need to hear. See, I, this is why I had bonus questions because we answered everything so good, so fast. I'm <laughs> um, learning so much. What do you have that's coming up next for high Black girls? Because I know you started the book club recently and I had to ask you about that because I was like, I didn't even see she added that. That's how long I've been following. I'm like, wait, when she added this yes. and why? Oh, so, yes. <laughs> Yes. And you know what? Thank you for mentioning that because I was going to bring that up in this segment and let people know that we do have a book club. Um, All Black women are welcome. And what I love about it is that you don't have to be on camera because, listen, we know how hard it is every day having to be on camera for work and having to be on. So 
If you just want to be present and listen, you can do that. If you want to come off mute and be on camera, you can. But just know, like, it's a safe space. We would love to have any Black woman listening to this to join us. Um, but we are also working on our podcast. So you know that I will be reaching out to you because we would love to um, chat with you and really just expand conversations around mental health. Um, we're also working on developing our own resource directory um, on our website. Um, even today, we posted about um, accessible therapy and so many women are, are commenting saying like, I need help um, navigating finding a therapist with my insurance. So so we're working on that. Um, we're also working on, on some merch. And oh there's gosh. just so many things, some things I can't even speak on yet, but God is just so awesome and he's, he's opening so many doors for us. So I can tell you that those are a few things that are in the forefront for us. So just super excited about um, how things are just are growing and um, about how we're able to reach Black women who are identifying with our community. This is so good, especially that directory. I feel like that's so necessary because I feel like I always hear people say like, well, I don't know where to start or what about this? So I'm really excited as well about this resource directory. So like there's, is that yes. your fingertips, ladies? <laughs> yes, absolutely. This and, is, you know, I had to really think because I'm like, there's never enough because I was like, are there enough? Like, I was like, no, here. I'm like, there's not enough resource directories. Like, there can always be providers in, in one that may not be in the other. So let's just make sure on every corner uh, that Black women are, are taken care of. So so thank you for that. We're super excited to, to roll that out. This is so good. Yes. And I'm down for the podcast. I love to talk, Taryn. You can tell. <laughs> yes. Listen, we're, we're not finished. We have we have more to discuss. It's so much. I feel like literally how you said earlier, like, I can talk about this all day. I feel like we could talk about this all day because yes. it's not one-sided. Like, it's not even just when we start digging through policy, when we start thinking about, like, history. Mm-hmm. You mentioned slave. Like, it's so much, like... We, us, me and you and other women that are like us are literally trying to undo in our own personal lives and professional and in our community. It's a lot to undo. (laughs) Absolutely. So much to unlearn and so much to relearn. Um, Oh, yeah. We could talk about this all day. So (laughs) you said the relearn because I I actually think I'm trying to tap into that phase now when I think about free 20 something China who just uninhibited mm. with her voice and all those things you are not lying some things we need to relearn as well <laughs> absolutely so the next part of my fa- of the episode that's my favorite part um besides the bio is the soul star tip so the soul star tip is an assignment that you will give our listeners that they can put into action immediately after listening to this episode. So I got to ask you, Taryn, what is your soul star tip of this episode? I love this. I would say um, don't wait until it's a rainy day to establish a care plan for yourself. So even if you feel like you're fine, you know, you don't need a therapist, um, you know, I might be biased, but I think every person needs a therapist. It's, It's not just for people who have mental illness. Um, it's for everyday people who need safe and unbiased spaces to process. So really just, I would encourage every Black woman to develop a care plan for yourself. Um, really spend time with yourself. You are the expert of your healing journey. So just really figure out your needs. 
um, and know that there are licensed professionals and communities like Soul by the Pound and High Functioning Black Girls, Therapy for Black Girls, uh, Black Girls with Anxiety. There's so many different support spaces out here. So really lean into those spaces um, and really just allow them to support you through this journey. And I think in the midst of doing all of that, while healing is important, I think just don't forget to love on the current version of yourself. Um, I think that who we are today matters. And so um, just don't forget to to really just slow down and be present in the process. Um, I think that, you know, we can easily find reasons to be frustrated with life. Um, but there's purpose in, in every season. And again, who you are today matters. Um, you've done a lot to, to be this version of yourself. So really sit with her and, and be present and know that, um, you know, whatever you're going through, it's all going to work together. And I'm not saying that to be mm-hmm. cliche. I'm really living this out. Um, just seeing how God has just changed my life um, by me just being obedient. If it's okay for me to talk about God for a minute. Um, I'm just yeah. saying the personal yeah. experience that um, whatever your higher power is, just, just lean into that, have a care plan, and just know that it's all working together. So that would be my advice and assignment. <laughs> I love that. I definitely need to develop a care plan because I am the biggest like therapy, therapy, therapy. No. And when you think about this, we have a plan for everything. We think about our career plan for five years. We think about our, you know, children, mm-hmm. our spouses. Like everybody has a plan for those yes. things. And I don't think people really, I know I haven't put it together as a care plan for myself. I have like daily rituals, but I think yes. a care plan where, okay, how do you check in with yourself? How do you hold yourself accountable? How do you love on who you are? Like you said, love on the current yes. version of yourself. That's deep. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and where do you quick, go? You, you know, because when you're in these crises, mm-hmm. you don't really think to, you know, lean on these supports. A lot of times, again, with high being high functioning, you navigate things inwardly. So you're not thinking, oh, let me go to the therapist but when you have a standing appointment you know you have some accountability when you have community you have accountability and I think that's why having a a care plan and supports in place is is so important for us absolutely real quick Taryn you touched and this isn't a question but I just want to say thank you you touched on obedience and you know God is definitely using you for purpose in what you're doing. And I just want to thank you for being obedient and definitely not just talking about your community, but also highlighting some others and just reminding our listeners the importance of just going to these resources because I'm hopeful that we have a, the the more vulnerable we get, the more we're moving the needle on some things. And I'm hopeful that Absolutely. more and more and more and more organizations come up and more and more like conversations come up. <laughs> so yes. thank you for your obedience. Thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. And thank so, you so much for having you- me. I have totally enjoyed myself. I'm sorry. You were asking me something else. Oh, no, I definitely enjoyed it, too. And can you tell our listeners where to find you? I love, by the way, I don't want to take stuff from your social media page. I have so many screenshots because you give so much good information on your social media. 
and you make it digestible oh, and you. it's beautiful. It's like aesthetically beautiful. So can you tell yeah, so tell our listeners where to find you on Instagram. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I take pride in that and making sure that it's attractive for us. So thank you. And feel free to repost anything <laughs> that resonates. Um, but you can find us on Instagram at high functioning black girls. Literally spell that out. Um, on TikTok, we are on there as well. That is our largest community. It's high functioning black girls, but black is spelled B-L-K. So those are the two places you can find us. And I also would love to plug our LinkedIn because a lot of high-functioning Black girls are professional Black girls. So you can search yeah. us on there and, and connect with us as oh, well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Do that. Okay. Is it the same name on LinkedIn? Yes, it's high-functioning Black girls. If you type it in um, on LinkedIn, the page should show up. So absolutely. Please connect with us. Boom. Um, I'm like, cool. to have. I'll put both yeah. of them on the on the bio of this episode. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so well, much. Thank you again. Yeah, and thank you for our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to check out High Functioning Black Girls on Instagram as well as on LinkedIn. Yes, if you could be on LinkedIn all day for yes. the gig, you better be on there for yourself too. So <laughs> thank you so much Karen, for joining us and thank you to our listeners for tuning in.